The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Hour. I'm Eric Palby, AM870, The Answer. You're listening to us right here every week at this time. We're talking about your family's finances, helping you get out of debt, manage money, plan for your future. I mean, it's all about the same thing, right? It's about living the life that you're supposed to live. Uh, and I think it's about more than just money, isn't it? Because we've talked time and again that retirement is more about purpose than it is about money, or you wouldn't retire because otherwise you wouldn't be able to afford your lifestyle. But we're seeing this more more and more frequently where people are returning to work. For some, it's because of money. Obviously, you heard the the lead-in with Dennis Prager where we were talking about the sequence of returns. If you are retiring now or in the last year or so, and you have retired with a certain lifestyle, with a certain expectation of rate of return, and you're pulling money from your retirement accounts, then you have an income stream that you are expecting to live on. But remember... When your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job, your retirement accounts can go up and down. Your salary doesn't go up and down. Maybe if you're in sales, it changes a little bit. But for most people, their income is reasonably predictable when you're working. When you retire, your food, shelter, clothing now comes from your retirement accounts, from your assets. So imagine when you see a 5 or a 10% drop or more, like we've had twice in the last 20 years, a 50 Five zero percent drop. What do you do? You, you go to your mortgage company and say, hey, you know, I, I want to give you half. Or maybe some of you are blessed to have your mortgage paid off and you, you contact the county and you say, hey, my property taxes, I'm only going to pay one of the payments this year. Or your car, gasoline, insurance. Right? Some of you have heard my tirade against the Obamacare plan and the state of California has dug in. We think we are now, we have a dictatorship. We truly have a dictatorship. We have a governor who is thumbing his nose at the state. He thinks it's a good idea for me and you to pay more money so that others, the 58,000 plus homeless people in the state of California, can actually get more money, can have some sort of care or something, as if they even care. They don't care. You don't see them lined up at urgent care. My, my health insurance premium went, went from, before Obamacare, about $870 a month. I'm going to round, okay? So it might have been 862 or 871 or something. But $870 a month. And for those of you with the new math, you can carry the one on this one. The next year, it went to $2,200 per month. $2,200. Now, my deductible went from about 2000 at the $800 number uh, for me and my wife and three children. To 8000 Guess what I just got back? You ready for this? $3,200 a month with a $12,000 deductible. You don't even have health insurance. The first forty-five grand. but listen, remember, just like you, right? We have to go to work. You earn money. You pay taxes on that money. Then what's left, you can buy your health insurance and pay for your deductibles. Now, if you meet some obscure f- formula, you can write some of it off on your taxes. I get it. But for most people, they don't do that. What happens for most people is something very simple. You have to earn sixty or $70,000 a year. The first $5,000 a month comes in. I give 1500 to the state and the federal government. I get thirty five left. That goes to Blue Cross and then or Anthem. And then they say, you have insurance, but remember, you're still responsible for the first 12000 If you don't think the state of California is messed up, Just open your eyes. If you don't think this governor thinks that he has his own immigration plan, if he thinks he has his own um, opportunity to get more people to vote, do you understand the fraud that was involved? Just do some independent research. 
Don't look at, at, at any partisan. Just look at the research. Well, as long as people sign their name and say, I promise I'm a citizen, I'm going to vote. Right? It's like the guy with the bank robber. As long as I promise I'm not going to rob a bank, right? It's illegal to rob a bank. Oh, then I must not do it. As if, as if the laws alone will keep people. I think, I think you have to understand this stuff will, will and does impact your retirement account. Let me make it clear for just a minute. If you are somebody who is in a situation where you are planning on retiring in the state of California, you have to plan that taxes will increase, especially property taxes. So why? Because there is nothing else that will stay in the state that's worth taxing. The middle and the higher upper income folks leave. So they take their income. So income now is there's less available to tax. Businesses leave. So there's less businesses to tax. But what can you not take out of the state of California? You can't take the real estate. So expect a push. That's why the Democrat majority is doing everything they can to try to overturn Prop 13, to make it look like how what a greedy son of a gun you are if you think you should keep Prop 13. You know, how dare you keep us in check, you little greedy son of a guns. They're trying to shame you into giving them more money. The same people that when they retire will not stay in the state. Do research on the last 10 people that have left uh, the state legislature and state government. Director of this, director of that. You know, these obscure agencies. AQMD, XYZ, Caltran, director of, president of, supervisor of. And see where they live. See where they're paying their taxes. I'm okay if you write the rules and you're stuck with me. I go, okay, well, listen, you, you and I are in the same boat. But you don't get to get out of the boat, punch a hole in it, jump into the next one, speedboat, and speed away. Well, wait, you just punched a hole in my boat and I'm stuck here. Right? So you guys have to get out there. You have to talk to people. You have to stop saying, well, I don't understand politics and it's just every... How do you do this? How do you justify your own inability to get involved, your desire to not understand. I get it because I don't want to understand quantum physics. You start talking to me about biochemistry, I'm like, I don't know. I got to go take out the trash. Got to mow the lawn. I don't have a lawn, but I'll mow it, darn it. Right? So some of you treat politics the same way. You have to stop. And you have to, the way we do justify that is simple. It's simple. Here's what we say. Well, they're all son of a guns. They're all ugly, dirty, son of a gun. They're all evil. Best of two evils. Listen, stop putting yourself in a position of some sort of moral superiority, right? I don't want a perfect person running for office. Why? Because that doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. They're not my neighbor. The perfect person. I'm not married to a perfect person. I don't have a perfect child. They don't exist. Take your top 10 issues. Find somebody that agrees with six of them, and that's the one you vote for. That's it. Don't try to make your political figures, the guy never looked at a woman or had dinner behind closed doors with another lady that wasn't his... Look, come on. Well, in 1987, he said a joke, and it was a dirty joke. Really? That, that's, that's what you're going to... Do you think those people want to even put themselves in a position... I'm not talking about the rapist. I'm not talking about the Harvey Weinsteins. All right, that man is forever tarnished. Do you realize his last name, his children, his grandchildren are now shameful? What great punishment. If he cares, maybe he doesn't. But do you think God sits to the side and just says, I will never allow this to impact the rest of your generations? Folks, it does. It does. You don't have to believe in generational sin. just called consequences. So you have to plan and prepare. All right, here's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I, I, the reason I'm getting into this is because I'm hearing more and more people. And I don't know. I don't know, folks. I can honestly tell you, I am conflicted. I don't know if the state of California is worth saving. I don't. I don't know if, if we should all band together to think that the dictator of Jerry Brown and, and Kevin DeLeon and, and his ilk, right, I, the moment you agree with somebody who is anything other than a white male Protestant Christian from northern Scotland, you're a racist. If anybody goes there, 
you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a homophobe, Islamophobe, homophobe, homophobe. The moment they go there, you have two things. Number one, know that you've won the intellectual argument. Know you've won it. And number two, understand their moral weakness, their inferiority in the argument. They have no clue what they're talking about. They are repeating. They are parrots of CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times. They are parrots of the L.A. Times. Go one or two layers deep and these folks don't understand it. Listen, I'm not saying they're evil or dirty. There are probably some and they're certainly on both sides. What I'm saying is the argument, is California worth saving? I don't know. Because those of you with money, you don't live in the state. Live, quote. You have a, a vacation home. Right? Your residence is another state. Washington, Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Florida, Tennessee. Right? Zero income tax. Look around and see how many cars you see registered to other states now. Pay attention to that. Start noticing. Right? It cost me $900 to register my car this last month. A friend of mine has a similar car, similar price, $40 every two years. In Arizona, 900 times 2 is 1,800. That equals, right, apples to apples, two years, two years, $40 or 1,800. Gasoline, $2.10 a gallon there. Here it's $3.60. Do the math. It's all math and logic, you guys. A lot of people are retiring outside of California. Be very careful. I don't know if it's worth fighting for. I don't know if, if we've lost already. I'm open about an intellectual argument and a, and a moral debate I have inside of my own self. I, I don't know. I hope it's worth saving. I'm angry, right? This is my home. How dare you chase me out of here by, by, by being a you know, one-party state, a dictatorship that steals money? Because that's what you're doing. Because it's just not right. Forget fair. I think fair is an F word. We teach our kids fair is an F word. Right? Don't say that. Because when I say fair, it means I have the ability. Who's standard? Fair means I can take from you. Because as soon as I use the word fair, the world starts to become my point of view. And you go, oh, well, I guess I'm unfair. Unfair that I should keep what I make, or at least most of it. Are. So be very careful. All right, A lot of you have 401k plans, and you're stuck here because your company's here. Your job is here. I get it. So how do we plan and protect your retirement account. Well, number one, pay attention to the fees and pay attention to the risk because who knows what the state of California's situation will be. I don't know where the end story will be, but I can tell you this. A lot of companies are leaving the state. It's not a trend anymore. You can go back to 2004 or five when Arnold Schwarzenegger had a, a Democrat majority and a, a Republican light Right, light, as in they were afraid to stand up as the, from a leadership standpoint. And he came in and tried to run it like a business. And they said, "You don't understand." And after a while, he said, "All right, fine. You guys, you guys want to you want to have a mess like that?" He just sat back and smoked a cigar out on the the covered patio. Right, he had a little white tent off to the side of the governor's office. Some of you know that little white tent off of the side of the governor, and he smoked a cigar and he said, "Yeah, whatever y'all want to do, man. I tried." Did my best. Hmm, does that sound familiar except for the cigar part? Smoking in the Oval Office, that was President Obama. Donald Trump doesn't even drink alcohol. Donates 100% of his salary and requires his cabinet to do the same. That should be on. This month, President Trump donated it to where? Every month he donates it to some place. Why isn't that on the 1st or the 10th of the month, whenever he makes that decision, why isn't that on the front page of the newspaper? Why don't we discuss the merits? Huh, if President Trump did his research and thinks Boys and Girls Club of America is a good place, maybe I should donate my money there, right? We should have 48 different charities, nonprofits, that he has featured over his four-year term should be the top 48 that you decide, maybe. At least you're looking at them. But for a lot of us, we're stuck. We're stuck in this state because financially, what do we do? Sometimes you're going to borrow from your 401k plan. So let me touch on a few things of when and why and how I think you should borrow from your retirement account. Now, some of you are school teachers. 
So what is a 401k? Let's keep it simple. You work for a for-profit company. Simple. Where is it found in the IRS code? <laughs> 401 subsection K. That's it. Financial people aren't that smart. They have a calculator now. They have computer software programs. They charge you fees like they didn't like they used to charge you fees when they did something. Now they reach out and pick and select and plan and go golfing and have lunch and come back. And your accounts are in the exact same place they were. So here's what the, here's what I'm saying. Careful. If you're going to borrow from your 401k, maybe one of the reasons is because your credit is not as good as it should be, and you need to keep things in order. Because there is no credit requirement because it is a secured loan, meaning if you have $100,000 in, your, reti- in uh, your retirement account, school teachers, they call it a 403b. If you're a government, city, state, county worker, you have what's called a 457 if you work for the federal government, it's called a thrift savings plan. Now, last November, a law was passed, signed into law. Uh, a bill was passed, signed into law. And they are supposed to change the thrift savings plan. And they have not. And they said, we have two years to make those changes. So guess what they're doing? Dragging their feet. Why? Because it gives more, more uh, higher fees, higher uh, restrictions on you, higher fees on you. Less flexibility. So the thrift savings plans are taking their time, but eventually they're going to have to conform with the 401k laws are very similar to it. Here's the change that I want you to watch out for. When you are trying to withdraw, when you are withdrawing money from your retirement account, if you don't pay it back, it becomes a taxable event. So let's say you have a credit issue outside. Maybe credit cards are a little high. Maybe you're late. You want to catch up. Ask yourself if the reason for your financial problems are habits or a situation or an event, right? Habits, pattern of behavior, situation or event, a one-time occurrence. Now, you should still save for emergencies for those one-time events, but you may not. It may have caught you off guard. Maybe you had two in a row. Sometimes people have bad luck. It happens. But if you have a pattern of behavior and that pattern of behavior walks you through a process that says it doesn't matter if I pay it off today, I'm still going to spend more than I make, I'm still going to be in a worse position than I was last month. Then don't take from your 401k. Eventually, you'll have to file bankruptcy. Your 401k generally is protected. You check with your attorneys and your CPAs and all this stuff, but it's done. Don't take money from your retirement account if the inevitable option is and plan is to file bankruptcy because your your, your 401k may be protected from bankruptcy. But if it's an event, if you've adjusted the pattern of behavior, if you've fixed the problem, then we can borrow. Pay it off. Get your credit on track. Build it back up. You still have to pay back this payment every month. Usually comes out of your paycheck. In some form or fashion, they're charging you back. You pay the interest. But don't fall fall victim to the trick. Well, at least I'm paying myself back interest. Well, yeah, you are. But it's like I took money from my left pocket and I put it in my right. Yay. Okay. I mean, it's kind of an irrelevant point because you still have to pay it back. But okay. It's better than paying Joe Messina the interest. (laughs) My producer. What about this? Hey, keep you from losing your house. If you are going to lose your house, gosh darn it, you borrow from your 401k unless the inevitability is foreclosure. If it's foreclosure, let it go. Let the house go. Get back on track. Start over. Don't take money from your retirement account. So many people in 2007, 8, 9, they did that. They took money from their retirement account, delayed the inevitability by one or two years, and they still lost their house, and they lost their money, and they were broke and started over. Don't do that. That retirement account is like the golden goose, right? If you are starving and you can't eat the egg, and you're going to have to kill the goose that's laying the golden egg, then you're going to have to do it. But you better have a plan B for dinner tomorrow night. Otherwise, don't do it. What about this? This is kind of important. Your job is going to have to be secure. Because if you have, have done the math, and you can build a plan that says, I can pay this loan back, and I can do it through my paycheck, no problem, it's happening. But you have a job that's tenuous, sales are down, The market is closing in, foreign competition, whatever is happening. 
and you're not comfortable with that, then you better be careful. I, I don't know if I would borrow because you might lose your job anyway. And now you have to write the check from your checking account each and every month. So you don't have income and you have an extra bill. All right, so let's get a little bit more positive. This is kind of fun. How about a down payment on a house? Hey, what about you say, the only way that I can save money for a, for a house is going to go through my retirement account? Great. And I want to put a down payment on a house. You can actually take money from your retirement account, not pay it back. It does become a taxable event. And there's a maximum. I want to say it's about $10,000, but you're still going to check with your CPA, right? How about this? This is kind of fun. You have no other options for retirement than this money. Then don't touch it. If you have a pension, if you have Social Security, if you have a backup plan, then I'm okay with that. But if this is it, this is everything for your retirement, then maybe it's time to downsize into an apartment. Maybe it's time to drive one car. We have a client who has had one car for 20 years. He drops her off. He takes the bus home. She picks him up. Imagine that. Wow, how old-fashioned is that? I grew up where my parents just had one car for most of my childhood until I was probably, oh, maybe 12 or 15 years old. I remember. Dad has the car. We'd push the grocery cart down to Ralph's grocery store, load it up, and all of us kids, four kids, would be hanging onto the cart and on the sidewalk. And remember that pickup truck would come around in the afternoon and pick up all the shopping carts that were left on the streets in the neighborhood, load them up, take them back. Right? So, so that's how we grew up. Those little, little GM houses in Van Nuys, Panorama City. Those little houses with one car garage. Look, you could tell because they had one car garage. You think it's, it's tragic to drive one car. Well, you know what? Maybe that's where you are financially. Maybe it's time to hit the reset button. Now, for those of you that have done well, you've, you've arrived financially, you've done okay. After the break, <clears throat> we're going to get into income. How are some of you being ripped off? I don't care if you have two, three, four million dollars. Wait till you see after the break. I'm going to tell you a story about a gentleman who had two accounts and thought he was paying $65 a year in fees. I think you know if I bring it to your attention, you probably know how the end of the story is going to be. I can tell you that when I see shock and face, right? Some of you know I was a Los Angeles policeman for 10 years, 7 months, and 3 days. I wasn't counting. Till a big car accident and three major surgeries. Well, that's only the back surgeries and then three other knee surgeries. Uh, and then they said, hey, listen, you're retired. You can't be a policeman anymore. Okay, thanks for, thanks for letting me stop by. But during that period of time, right, you, could, you ever watch these detective shows? Mrs. Johnson, we know what you did. Your husband was poisoned. Bum, bum, bum. And the detectives look at her face. And the look on her face says whether she goes, <gasps> or she goes, really? Or, huh. Or she doesn't look surprised at all because she knew it. Because she did it. Right? <laughs> Remember that? So here's what happens. I'm sitting across from a client, and, and the look on his face it was as if he just found out his mom wasn't his mom. Right? I, I mean, that's the kind of shock. Because you guys trust your financial people. And in some level, you should. But let me tell you, it's not difficult to do the math to see that something like Woodbridge was a scam. Now, I don't know if scam is the right word. I'm using it loosely because maybe there's a definition that, that the legal department says, oh, well, that does not carry the one on that one. You, gotta, you have to put an apostrophe by the thing. I don't know. But I can tell you this. The math didn't work out. It was brought to my attention. You should sell this to your clients. We looked at it twice over the last two years. The math didn't work out. Listen, there were many red flags, but it's simple. It's a calculator. Now you go, yeah, if it's simple to you, just like quantum physics is to that guy. I get it. That guy's smarter than me. But you all have a calculator. And some financial people, for whatever reason, decided to sell that to you and sell that to others. If you have Woodbridge, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but I can tell you this. It's not going to be good. Expect a year or two, generally speaking, two years. The trustee is going to gather all the assets. Right now, reportedly, I'm getting word that there's somewhere around 15 cents to 30 cents on the dollars, what you can expect. In other words, if you gave them 100000 you expect 15000 
they're going to go back and claw back. So for some of you, you gave them money. They gave you money. You said, I'm out. Lucky me. Except it was a Ponzi scheme, according to the SEC. So they're going to go back and take the money back from all of you that already got your interest or your principal payments, put it back into the pot, and then divide it as a percentage of the whole to everybody else. That's supposedly, who knows where we are, 1.5 billion, supposedly there's six, 700 million. By the time the trustee takes their piece and everybody else takes their piece, there's not going to be a lot left over. So be very careful. And some of these advisors, the same people, are selling you things called an income rider. I am not a fan of them. I will tell you why. And you can decide. Maybe it's right for some of you. I'm sure it is. I just haven't found you yet. <laughs> so one day I will. And when I do, you know, it's like a unicorn. We're going to capture it. We'll, we'll study it. And we'll say, here's an example of why the industry is charging massive amounts of fees. And they're tricking people into doing it with their retirement accounts. When we come back, I'm going to get into the details of it and tell you why I think it's a scam. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE if you have a question. 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Hallaby on AM870, The Answer. All right, we're back. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, it's the welcome part. All right, if you have a question, give us a call. 888-99-RETIRE. It's 888-997-3847. 888-997-3847. We're talking about your family's finances, helping you get out of debt, manage money. Uh, listen, we've been doing this now for 14 and a half years, something like that. 14 years plus on the air. Uh, and specifically from an education standpoint, because this is the stuff we should have learned about in high school or college. You know, when you go to school and they tell you you get a good job, we're going to teach you to be a good employee, you're going to go, be a, uh, go to college, you're going to get a good job, everything's about a job, job, job. And then they pay you money and you're like, oh, darn it, look at this. There's a paycheck with my name on it. And your parents walk you over to the bank and you walk in and you, you open up a checking account and they say, would you like a debit card? Yeah, yes, I would, in fact. And it has a little Visa logo and everything's working great until... Do you pay taxes? Do you buy or lease a car? Should you uh, buy a, a get a variable loan on a home? Should you rent an apartment? Should you move in with a, Who knows any of this stuff? Nobody teaches you this. They, they teach you to have a job. It's like teaching you half of the equation. Then they throw you out there, the system throws you out there, so that on the other side, the, the financial world can eat you alive. And if your parents were good in finance, then generally you have a better chance. Because at least at the dinner table, you might have spoke about mergers and acquisitions, stocks versus bonds, what's a mutual fund, when are annuities good and when are they not good, should I buy or lease variable, right? All of those things in some form or fashion is talked about at your dinner table or somewhere in the young person's life. But that's not most people. Most people are either gossiping about the Kardashians, complaining about the government, complaining about uh, you know the neighbor, Aunt Millie. Most people have no clue how money works, and I don't think they're bad. I'm just saying that that's the way it is. And you have to make huge mistakes sometimes before you learn. Today it's a little different, though, isn't it? Young people and old people, we all have access to the same thing called the Internet. The Internet of Things has taught us that you can ask almost anything and find out almost anything. Now here's the problem. It used to be, you know, that you had six items when you, when you would say, what is this? And it, poof, six items would show up and you'd have it. Today, there's 1.6 million. Which one is correct? Page one, page two, page 75? I don't know. Who do you listen to? This person who says blue is better and this person says green is better. I don't know. So it's the opposite. It's information overload. So when you send your young people to college, and I say the biggest mistake you can make is to get student loans. Why? Because just the other day, I'm dealing with a client who is 64 years old, and they have Parent PLUS loans for their three children. And he said, we agreed to pay for their undergrad, and they're paying for their grad school. All right. And they, they did their life you know, opposite in the sense that they were married for 15 years, traveled, hung out, did the single thing, right? Then they had children later on in life. 
So he's retired with a nice pension, some money saved, and Parent PLUS loans that total almost $60,000. PLUS, P-L-U-S, is an acronym, and it's a parent loan that's designed to put the responsibility of the payment onto the parent. Now, the child can pay it if they want, but many parents, for some reason, feel like it's their moral obligation because I told little Susie when she was two that she goes to any college, I'll pay for it, she can do anything she wants, be anything she wants. Well, then, you better understand, folks, you have to predict the future when little Susie's not two anymore, when she's 18. And nobody knows what the economy's going to be like or... Or are we in a recession? Or did you lose your money? Or did the stock market correct, right? Like it's bad for you to make money. Did it correct and go backwards? What? So you're committing to something way in the future with no ability to to control it. And I would say with very little knowledge. So fast forward to those of you that are away from the student loan world. Oh, I have my kids. Some of you have bought into this income rider game where you have to pay for it. Do you know there are some out there you don't have to pay for? It's just part of the plan. When you have a a financial product, an insurance product, an annuity, there are different types. There's the variable annuity. There's a fixed annuity. The variable puts your money in the market, goes up and down with the market, sometimes 3.5%. I think that's the Wharton School of Business did a a study. It's around 3.3 or 3.5% in fees. Now, the worst I have seen, the highest I have seen was 5.5% every year on the balance forever. That's the worst. But the average every day is somewhere around 3.5%. see those all the time. Jackson National, Nationwide, uh, Principal, Brightstar, um, John Hancock, Transamerica, all of these companies, they'll offer. Now, the, some of them may offer, also offer fixed annuities, but they also offer variable Now, when you build in a fee to something, do the companies even have to show up? Does the broker even have to be in the office? No. You don't pay a monthly fee on your car to the car salesman that sells it to you. You don't pay a monthly fee to the clerk at the grocery store. You don't pay a monthly fee to the manager at the restaurant. You pay for it. It's over. You go home. You want to come back tomorrow? You can come back tomorrow. But why is it a broker who was in elementary school or junior high is entitled to half of the interest that you make in in terms of fees? So here's what I have seen. It's usually two-thirds to you and one-third to the broker. That seems to be kind of a pattern, a little bit more or less. Here's what I mean. We had a client recently came in. Over the course of about six years, they had $75,000. They started with about fifty. dollars over the course of six or seven years, they made fifty to seventy-five, twenty-five thousand dollars. That's great. They paid over twelve thousand dollars in fees. How is that okay? One for you, two for me. One for you, two for me. You wouldn't do that. If you got a statement every year, it says, "Okay, since the beginning of you opening up my of the account with us, you have made twenty-five thousand. Your total fees are twelve thousand. You want to do this again next year?" Yes or no? I think that would be fair. That would be transparent. That would be the, you know, the, the, the left liberal, let's be fair. That would be, that'd be cool. Let's try that. Now, what happens is the same thing that happened when the, when the financial industry tried to have you write a check at the end of each year for the fees. Okay, listen, if you made $100,000 and you wrote a check for 10000 in fees, you'd be, oh, this is a good deal. I would do that deal. Make me $100, i will give you 10 Heck, if you, you know, don't tell anybody. But if you made me 100 I'll give you 20. That's a fair deal. I like it. I like it. But what happened is when when the the market world, when the uh, brokerage world started losing your money and they said, you lost 40,000, write us a check for 10,000. You'd say, wait a second. So then what they did is they say, we're going to spread it out. We're going to take $2,500 every quarter. So that don't you worry your pretty little head. We're going to take it for you. What a dream. No longer did they have to have that tough conversation with you. No longer did they have to worry about even performance. They didn't even have to tell you. They just had to give you big stacks of stuff with that little fine, uh, you know, light gray or beige writing. 
a little thin Bible paper, right? Onion skin paper, they give it to you. Okay, read all this sign here and tell me, what do you think? Should we uh, diversify with the beta and the square root? And what we're looking at is the standard deviation of the impact of the fiscal responsibility of the international. And, and you just go, wow. So what do you think? And Mary says, yeah, it's a good idea. You go, okay, good. Take, we're going to do it then. Right? That, do you honestly think they don't know that? Do you think they go, wow, I just educated that person. They are so bright. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I'm asking you. It's, it's not rhetorical, but I just can't hear your answer unless you dial 999 or 888-99-RETIRE. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're answering it to yourself. But if you think, Arif, they believe, they know, then great. Then you can call us at 888-99-RETIRE. But if you have an income rider, you need to know what it does. And it doesn't do. Here's a good example. I think you should avoid accounts that have income riders or that charge income riders simply because there's a better way to do it. Now, if you're that person who can succeed without it or, or with it, I mean, great, great. But do the math because it reduces the principal from the time you start taking income out between your payments and the fees, usually all of the money's gone by 10 or 20 years, usually 10, 15 years. Now, it depends on performance and all the other stuff, right? So that means they took your money and in return, they just are giving you a paycheck. Now, if you die, maybe they'll give you that same payment to your spouse, depending on what you chose at the beginning, but sometimes not. You die and they kept the rest of your money because they feed it to death. God forbid you want it to go to your children or a church or a charity because it's gone. Most of the time, they're giving you your own money back. So here's what I mean. They will tell you, like this gentleman came to my office, he had $843,000 in his account. And he said, Arif, I'm paying $65 a year. I get a guarantee of a 6% return. And the broker said, because I have more than 100000 I don't pay a fee. So I looked at him and I said, when you were working, did you work for free? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, did you work for free? I mean, I don't know. Did you work for free? No, I didn't work for free. And I said, neither do I. Nobody does. You're a volunteer at the food pantry. You might work for free. But people in this industry and your job, my job, nobody works for free. So then the answer is, where are the hidden fees and what are they? That's all. And if they're good, if they're sufficient, if you think it's a fair deal, I'm in. So we made a phone call. That's what I encourage you to do. When you come in, I can tell you in about 10 or 15 minutes, unless we're on hold, because we had somebody said, eh, if it's more than 15 minutes. I know, but I've been on hold for 12. So we're going to call the company and we'll ask them a series of questions. Simple. Because we believe in safety. The questions I ask are around that, that world. We believe that you don't have to pay a fee in order to have sufficient income. So the questions we ask are around that world. Then you know. And it's not me just making it up out of the air. We call the company. It's them on a recorded line. That's why they have to tell you the truth. Right? Your broker's not on a recorded line when they call you. I'm, I'm not saying they're not telling you the truth. I don't know them. But what I'm saying is they're not on a recorded line when they call you most of the time, depending on who it is, right? Most of the time. So we ask questions. Guess what the fees were, folks? $2,400 a month. He had 843000 and his fees were uh, $2,400 a month. $834,000, $2,400 a month. Let that sink in, because guess what he was taking out of that account to live on? $2,000 a month. He had other accounts, other monies. $2,000 a month, no problem. The broker was making more money. When you were sacrificing, when you worked late, when you worked overtime, when you missed your, your, your mother's birthday party or your anniversary dinner, you showed up late, you did whatever you had to do to work hard, your kids' recital, you missed those things, and you exchanged it for dollars. And the broker who takes Wednesday off to golf, who takes a two-hour lunch break in the middle of the day when you're supposed to be investing, he's supposed to be investing and watching your money, is entitled to the same or half or double? I'd, I'm, I'm a simple guy. All I care about is math and logic here, right? This is simple. 
So be careful with these. Now, if at the end you understand that you're going to give up this money and in return you're going to have a payment for the rest of your life and you're good with that, I'm fine. But just don't think something is what it isn't. When we looked at the whole portfolio, it was $108,000 a year in fees. $108,000. Do you realize the broker, all the broker had to do was move to any state in the country, because he does it all online anyway, have one client... He could have committed his entire life to serving you, that one client, and still earned $107,000 a year. You can live in a lot of places in the United States, even in the state of California, right? Central California, on $107,000 a year. You can live very nicely on that. And here they are managing this, this man and his wife's portfolio that they've worked their entire life for. So... I can't tell you when you come in, I'm not a jerk. I'm not going to be mean, right? At least I don't think I am. I'm not going to say, I can't believe this son of a gun did this to you. I'm going to be nice the best I can, but I'm going to be firm. I'm going to tell you, I think you are paying too much in fees, but you have to believe that, not me. It's your money. And we never forget that. Here's what they do. They'll increase. They have two buckets of money, one that's the income and one that's the account value. When there is an income value, that value does not go up and down with the market. It goes up at 6% or 7%, whatever the number is, per year, every year. Now you think, that's awesome. I have a guaranteed increase in that account at 6%. So you think, I'm going to get the higher of this one, where the market goes up, maybe 8 or 10 or 12. But if it goes down, it doesn't matter, because over here, I get a 6% return. Now guess where they're charging you the income rider fee. It is on the one that never goes backwards. That means your fee increases at 6% per year, more than inflation, double than inflation. That means no matter what, they are guaranteed a pay raise of 6% per year. You are guaranteed to lose money from your your account value, the one that can go up and down, They bill it against the big number. We're going to charge you 3% against the big number. And then they take it away from your little number. So now that next year, there's less to earn interest. The phantom number, the fake money, the monopoly money, we call it, that goes up 6% again. They bill it against that number, whatever the number is, 1%, 2%, 3%, and they charge it against the lower number. It's simple math. It's why when you hit a certain age, you have no choice but to turn it on for income. You basically have given up the principal. So be careful. They do this with fixed annuities, fixed indexed annuities. They do it with variable annuities. They do it with a variety of them. It isn't just one. So Arif, what are you saying? You can get similar guarantees, not exact, but similar guarantees without paying a fee. But there's a couple of trade-offs. I knew they were coming, Arif. I know it. Yes, we call them a catch. In fact, there's two catches. Number one, there's a time commitment. If you want to take more than 10% of your money out per year after the first year, you can't take anything out year one without paying a hefty fee. But if you take out less than 10% per year after the first year for whatever time you committed to, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, whatever, the longer the time you commit, generally the higher potential interest. The lower the time, generally the lower potential interest. But you are allowed to take out 10% per year. So in this gentleman's account, did he, was he able to live on less than 80000 a year? If the answer is yes, then no problem. No fees, monthly fees, no quarterly fees, no annual fees. But if he took out more than 10%, he pays a fee. That's catch number one. Catch number two, there is a cap. There is a maximum amount you could earn per year. The cap varies. It can be between 10 and 20%. Think of 10. That's it. Your average return is going to be between zero because you never go backwards, and you're probably not going to earn more than 10. I've seen 12, 15s, and 20s, but think 10. So if you are okay making between zero and 10% every year and pulling out 10% per year or less after year one, then some or part of your retirement money should be in a place called a fixed indexed annuity. Air, if you're a one-trick pony, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am the brain surgeon. 
You do not go to the brain surgeon and say, what do you think about my appendix? Can you take that out while you're here? You will say, no, we need another expert. If you think your financial person is an expert because they can do soup, nuts, right, uh, trick, come on, really? You tell me that you're an expert in REITs, long, big companies, international, small companies, bonds, uh, annuities, fixed annuities, income. Uh, wow. I want to meet that person. Don't fall tricks to the industry. Nobody is good at everything. They're going to be good at a lot of things. But very few people are great at more than one thing. If you have an electrician in your house and you say, Mr. Electrician, Mrs. Electrician, I want you to uh, rewire my house. They say, I am the best electrician around. And then she goes out and says, oh, but while I'm here, I'm going to you know, replace your plumbing. I'm going to put copper, copper piping. You say, well, I thought you were good over there. At the, yeah, yeah, I am. But I'm also great. You know, great, I'm great at these things. I'd say, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'm going to let you focus on electric, and I'm going to hire a plumber. It's the same thing with your health. When you go to a general doctor, what does a general doctor do? He or she is usually the family practice. Their job is to diagnose as a traffic cop and send you in a direction to an expert. Go get an MRI, talk to the radiologist. Go see the cardiologist. Let's see. The cardiologist doesn't even do the EKG. Why? Because they hire an expert who's good at making sure that the, the machine is hooked up properly, how to read the machine. The cardiologist's job is to, to interpret, to assemble a team. I mean, do you understand where I'm going with this? The industry's job is to make you think that the person who's in that office in the corner with the marble floors and the hardwood and with the title on a business card that says vice president, did you know everybody that works there is a vice president? Unless you're new. Usually it's a month, six months, a year. There's a period of time. After that, everybody's a vice president. Client client came in the other day and showed me a card. I work with the vice president of XYZ company. I go, everybody's a vice president if you've been there more than six months. Really? I go, yeah, that's how, they, that's, that's how you feel special. So you work with the vice president of, you know, everybody. Come on. I'm okay with that. But if that guy or gal tells you that they are an expert in everything, run. Don't walk from them. Because nobody is. You don't want your CPA doing your financial advising. You don't want your financial advisor doing your living trust. You don't want your living trust attorney being your CPA. Right? If you have a divorce that you're... I'm going to do one more because I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand. If you have a divorce that you're going through, you don't hire the guy who chases ambulances. Right? He, he or she's a great person. But the divorce lawyer handles divorces. That's her job. The guy who does personal injury, that's his job. Right? They both are called attorney. We're a financial professional. And as you get a little older, I want you to be safer. I, I try to do that because I can never see the look on your face. Like, oh, are they getting it? Do I need to back up? The teacher in me says, I got to you know, have a whiteboard or some sort of graphics. <laughs> but it doesn't work on the M870, does it? So here's what I want you to look at. When you have an income account, their job is to give you your money back over the next 20 years. Now, if you live into your mid-90s, let's say you started withdrawing at 65, then it might make sense. Then you might be that person who said, the rest of my financial life has collapsed, and this is my main source of income. So I should have paid. I'm glad I gave up. I should have paid for this account. I think it's kind of a lazy way that financial people do it. I think they've listened to one stream of thought from the, the wholesalers of the companies we work with. They'll come in because the companies, right, the insurance companies want the income riders. You know that? Because it's money that just goes, it's pure profit. Goes in a huge bucket. Sits behind the scenes. And if you're one of those few people that make it to age 90, 95, whatever it is, then they start giving you your own money back. So be very careful. Because it seems like it's a, my experience has been anyway, that, it, that it's a little bit of a lazier way of checking boxes, kind of like the mutual fund manager world in the security world, right? Those guys, they just check some boxes, they give it away, they collect a fee, and they go fishing. I don't know. So ask, what am I getting for this fee? And can I buy it 
somewhere else for less money. That's part of what you need to do. When you uh, go to hometown, when you go to uh, uh, AM870, the answer, sorry, AM870, the answer, you can click on Total Financial Solutions. That'll send you over to our page. Or you can go to TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions, tfswealth.com, and send us an email. Sometimes we uh, will take those directly in the air. Sometimes I'll, I'll get back to you. Uh, depends on what you need. And you can always get a hold of us at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. If you have a more private question, that goes directly to our office. So once we're off the air, the, the line is fed there. And we can have a conversation. Maybe I can help you. We can find out over the phone. Some of you I've talked to on the phone, and we said, you're probably in a pretty good spot. I wouldn't make any changes. Sometimes I say, you know, Mitt, maybe we can help. If we can, we're here for you. Thanks for listening. You can reach us every week at this time. You can go to Facebook and like Total Financial Solutions and uh, catch up on some of our old videos as well. I'm Arif Hallaby. Thanks for joining me on Total Financial Solutions, Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.